The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. And Monday is upon us. Hopefully the shovels have been put away as we talk with Sam Hudson and Corn Belt Marketing. Now, Sam, in your neck of the woods, you did see some snow about six inches yesterday. We know that the Dakotas got hit with 17 plus starting last Friday. So some crazy weather, which means planters probably aren't moving in the upper Midwest today. No, they're not. I mean, if you look at uh, our, our precipitation just right in this area over the last 10 days or so, it really isn't too significant. But, uh, you know, they'd look for more rain than snow. So I think from a precipitation, moist, overall moisture standpoint, I don't know that we got a lot more than what uh, was looked for. But, uh, you know, again, just to see the snow flying here in April is uh, interesting. It won't be around long. Uh, we're going to get into the 50s today and actually uh, mid-70s in west central Illinois tomorrow and Wednesday. So turn around, dry things out just in time for... Uh, know another another round of potential rainfall and i think that's what these markets are kind of hanging out with we can afford to lose some acres this year after what usda has put out here from stocks uh and and plenty of tensions over the last couple weeks uh we can't afford to to you know really take too much off the yield but it feels like we're going to have to have a wet pattern to persist into may before markets really start to get concerned about anything there you're talking like may 1st after that we might see some sort of reaction from the markets I believe it's going to take something that that long um, because when you look at just the fear of acreage losses alone, I mean, we need to lose some acres this year. You know, again with with an additional three hundred plus or minus million bushels that we didn't think we were going to have showing up on the stocks report, it equates to you know almost three bushels the acre if you use that acreage number they use. I, I don't believe that it'll be our final number. I think we'll tell you know curtail that a little bit, but I don't know that we can lose enough acres this year to make a big enough impact. I think we got to get into the growing season look at our yield factor and understand that acres are only going to amplify whatever happens there. Well, there has been a lot of anticipation for this growing season, and we know that there's been a lot of talk as well, like you were saying, waiting waiting for this planting to get underway. And as we move forward and we try to do some marketing, what are some thoughts as we look at corn and soybeans as you play this, you know, planting wheel lottery, shall we say, and, and market reaction? Well, you mentioned the, just waiting in general, and I think to a large degree that's paid off in certain cases, especially when you look at beans. Um, you know, the bean market was able to recover after harvest. We saw basis recover in a big way in most areas once the crop got buttoned up. Uh, we know on-farm storage has increased with the big crops that we've had here over the last few years. With the basis look that we had, a lot more got stuffed, stuffed away. But as we go into summer, we, I think you've got to understand that even if we have a trade deal with China, we're still going to have a burdensome amount of soybeans sitting around. And unless we have a yield threat this summer, uh, presumably, we'll be dealing with this oversupply until probably December or even the first quarter of, of next year at, a, at the least, depending on what production looks like. So uh, the, the opportunities right now are, are in the basis markets. Um, prices, uh, you know, from a future standpoint, no one's been real uh, excited by it. We've had weather hinder some movement. We've had processors step up in the Western Corn Belt where they're bidding an option to five over here for into late April, even into May potentially. And, and I think that's where it comes down to is maybe you shouldn't wait anymore because as we get into June, July, even if the price does turn around because of a yield threat or because we can't get in the field until you know mid-May, uh, can the basis really hang in, in with it? We've got South American supplies. They're going to remain competitive here into summer. Um, they've got more of them available. And if we go too high, too fast for whatever the reason, if it even comes across, uh, we can take ourselves out of that market again. I think that's what USDA has been doing. They've been gr- gradually pulling out some of this export demand, understanding that we've got competition and uh, we're going to have to get into a weather market before we see any any major price movement. And, and, and the prime 
for, you know, excuse me, the price and, and the fuel and the pump is there with the funds being so short. Well, we're getting ready for the third week of the weekly crop progress reports. The first two weeks have been pretty quiet. Could we see a little bit of number movements, especially to our neighbors to the, the south in Texas and Louisiana as they try to get planting done? You know, I think you will, and if you can miss some of these rains, I think, uh, you know, there's even some spots, uh, you know, Kansas and Oklahoma where they didn't get quite uh, the precipitation from the, you know, the last bomb cyclone that moved through. Uh, so I think you're going to start to see some upticks there. You know, bear in mind, you know, the amount of acres down there compared to what we see in, like, the I states or just the central Corn Belt in general. Um, you know, can it have a huge impact? No, but I think it's just the perception uh, that if things start to improve, if, if we, you know, temperatures start to come up a little bit and we don't see, you know, just rain forever in the forecast, that we're going to come to a realization that, hey, we're going to get this crop in the ground. Uh, we're going to get quite a bit of it in. You know, we can't really guess too much of these acres numbers until we get into June. And we've already taken some off of what we saw from last year. So I can't sit here and expect that we're going to you know, end up with a 10 million acreage reduction here on planted acreage here in 2019 and that's going to save us all from a pricing standpoint weekly export inspection sam we're solid for the corn but it sounded like on the softer side for the soybeans today yeah and we haven't seen uh, those daily announcements uh, to china or presumably china what we've been seeing the last few weeks so it wasn't too surprising to see that slow down there the good news is that we have con- continued to see gradual movement to china uh, despite the fact that we have not seen a finalized trade deal so um, you know, will we see that uh, come to a head here in the short term? You know, every time we see that or hear about it, it's another three or four weeks. So I don't think you can hang your hat that anything is going to be done. And I think it could be more meaningful for the grains, if anything, if we do see a finalized deal here in the next one or two months. But ultimately, uh, there again, I think we've got to look at uh, domestic and world carryouts in general and understand that it may still take this weather uh, you know, issue or potential issue to really sustain higher prices. Is there any reason why South America has been as quiet as they've been on this year's harvest? You know, we haven't heard a lot about, uh, you know, poor weather down there. And, it's in, you know, when you look at uh, the current supply we have in the U.S. and the world, it, it, it's almost like no news is bad news because usually if we're talking about them, it's because they're, they're in a weather situation. In the last uh, you know, three or four years, if you look back, we've seen Argentina a couple times get into some tough conditions into the end of their harvest where they can't get it to, to port soon enough. Uh, it it uh, hinders the yield and also just logistics in general, and we're not seeing that this year. They've got supplies, their crops are bigger, and the U.S. has had some issues getting stuff down the river systems just because of uh, flooding and, and logistics issues here as well. So, um, yeah, I, I just it's just hard to paint a real positive picture without some sort of a production problem. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more coming up of the Fontenelle Final Bell for you on this Monday as Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing. We'll finish out, take a look at what's been going on in this wheat complex. They cannot seem to get the red off the screen. And, of course, we'll take a look at the happenings of the livestock front as well. Stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing as we finish up the grain side of the complex. We've had a lower dollar. Is that in part why we've seen some negativity going on in this wheat market? You know, we look at the dollar on its own and against other, you know, baskets of commodities. I think, you know, those currencies can matter within time frames when we're very competitive um, and we see a correction there. Sometimes that can, you know, peak interest one way or the other. But the challenge we've had in this wheat is just, you know, we're the last place in the world anyone wants to come to to buy it. We got variable storage rates. We've become the residual supplier of the world. And I think, uh, you know, our risk here moving forward is that could potentially happen with corn with variable storage rates coming into play in 2020. 
Um, and it just there's just so much carry in the market, even though we've actually seen export inspections uh, pick up a little bit of late uh, in sales in general wheat because of the cheaper prices. It's just a little bit too little too late because we've got over a billion bushels still left here in the U.S., even though we've got a really uh, low acreage number here for the crop in the U.S., um, you know, there's enough sitting around. So until we see a production problem overseas that's great enough that would, you know, garner attention for other countries to actually come get U.S. wheat, we're not going to plant more acres of it. And unfortunately, that's the road we're going down in corn right now until we see, you know, Mother Nature, you know, change that. A lot of things to think about, especially on this grain complex as we get into the the plantings and what we're going to see with the next intentions report and everything else that comes from the USDA to kind of solidify what we're hearing on numbers. Because there's a lot of talk out there of the what ifs. Yeah, and, and you get back to the whole flooding part of it. You know, there is a wild card there. But again, um, you know, when you look at year to year, the fact that they've already pulled some acres out of corn and beans in general, you know, can we really delay things long enough to, to threaten things? I think that's the key here because as you get into June, July, obviously we know that things can change just as wet as we were. We could be just as dry the other direction. And that's probably the biggest threat. You know, whether we plant 91 million or 94 million acres of corn, at the end of the day, the, the yield is the biggest, uh, the biggest key there. And if we end up at under 170, almost none of those numbers work when we look at demand where it is today. Looking at the livestock side, uh, obviously it very inactive as I read one description of this market today. But you mentioned uh, feedlots. I mean, they're trying to get cleaned up, get through this storm. I know in South Dakota they were talking about all that snow on top of a, you know, a foot of mud. So there's a lot of concerns from the feedlot standpoint to get this market to move forward. Yeah, we've just seen trouble with the, you know just the weather in general creating problems, and then of course you know with the whole you know bomb cyclones, flooding, and everything, logistics, uh, infrastructure in general was kind of hindering some of that. So um, the fact that we, you know we've seen these back month prices really explode, ASF has been a big you know part of that because the hog market's taken off, and in turn kind of putting some optimism here in the beef. But the cash hasn't been able to react quite as quickly here, like uh, for example for the cash feeders just yet because everyone's not quite ready to do that yet. Uh, you wonder if you got to get into against this May contract before you really see the cash react and see if we can see the bull spreads lead the way, and that's usually a really good sign for a market. And I think the back month cattle, as you get into late 2019 into early 2020, as long as those hold support, and I think they will with the hogs, uh, we should see you know gradually steady to higher market here in these feeders moving forward. Can't we see some excitement because it is starting to warm up? I mean, we got 70s going on here in Nebraska today. You're supposed to see those 70s later this week so we can dust the cobwebs off the grills. Absolutely. You know, and you mentioned the planning progress. You know, are we going to start to see some of these numbers uptick? I think you will. You got to remember there's a few pockets here and there that just don't catch the rain. Um, you catch a couple of days of 75 degree weather in the sunshine, and it's amazing how quickly things can change and how much, how quickly the dust will start flying. So the season's coming. We'll get in the field. It's just a matter of not if, but when, and what the conditions are like, uh, you know, going in and thereafter. African swine fever it continues to make its imprint across all, you know, China beyond. As you look at that, digesting, digging into the numbers, how's that going to continue into 2020, changing the livestock feel? Well, we mentioned the, you know, the cash uh, kind of impact on the feeder market. Well, I, I'm kind of looking at hogs very similarly, where we saw the futures, the spreads, everything just kind of blow up out of nowhere. Boy, you got the shorts out, you got people long, and now we got to find that fair value. And what we don't really know is what is fair value, because we don't know how dramatic the situation in China really is. We can read all the reports we want. 
Um, but what information can we really latch on to and say, okay, we, you know, we feel good about this. Uh, they've been putting chickens in some of the hog buildings in an effort to reduce, you know, spreading of the disease, but still, you know, have an ability to, to provide protein. And I think that's what the big picture theme has got to be is worldwide in the U.S., China, wherever. Uh, first off, make sure it doesn't spread anywhere else. And if, and where are the risks that it could? But secondly, how do you replace that protein, not only from another protein source, but also within the pork industry and them having to rebuild their herd size? They can't rebuild it until they eradicate it, uh, until they know they're safe to do so. And when that happens, they are going to need a lot of soy meal to, to feed them, but uh, you got a little gap here. And, and I think when we see the cash hog prices really react and, and get that bid, uh, we've seen that now, and again, can you see the bull spreads lead the way and tell us that this market's good for a little while now? Lots of things to think about as we uh, look ahead. What's the best way for producers to get a hold of you, Sam, to talk more about what's happening in these markets? www.cornbeltmarketing.com or 800-655-3380. And we should also mention you're on social media. They can follow you on Twitter. Absolutely. At Samuel B. Hudson on Twitter uh, and just look for Cornbelt Marketing. All right, thanks so much, Sam Hudson, joining us today with Corn Belt Marketing. That is a look at the Fontenelle final bell on this Monday. It's been brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.